Uh, it does feel like a lifetime ago. Um, I do feel like this group is in a much different position. I feel like the build-up is different. Um, you know, like, you, know, you very rarely get these opportunities in football, um, and that, that's why I went in you know, 2018. Um, you, you just never know when you're getting up in this position, so you've got to make the most of it, and, um, and that's what we've been working hard to do. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our fantastic sponsor, Hop In Brewing in Lilledale. My name is Tim. Simo joins us as always, mate. How you doing? Prelim week, we're here. It's been already, it's the longest week of all time and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> oh, jeez, mate. Yeah, I'll tell you what, after I found out we're playing Geelong, it's been just a nervous wait, um, especially with the recent history between the two teams. You just don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, there's a lot of us think at the moment, you know, if we bring our game, then, you know, there's a high chance or there's a good chance that um, we can we can potentially get the job done. Definitely, definitely. It's yeah. It was it was nice to sort of sit back and watch the finals, knowing that you. Well, I suppose in that sense, watching the elimination finals and being able to really just sort of enjoy them and and keep a keen eye to see who we were playing. But the Brisbane Western Bulldogs game was such a unreal, a, a amazing game to watch uh, right up until the last second. And shame you couldn't say the same thing about the Geelong GWS game but that's uh there lies our opponent and that's who we're staring against who's yeah really in the way of us making a grand final appearance so yeah big week for the club it's been great to sort of see on socials that everybody is out and proud with Melbourne you know there's houses getting painted there's murals appearing letterboxes being decorated scarves ahoy it's yeah it's unreal to sort of see the extent that everybody is is going about it and Unfortunately, we can't be out there with everyone celebrating, but people are finding unique and unique ways to be able to, yeah, you know, get the colours out there and and show the love to the club who, unfortunately, aren't, aren't in the home of Victoria, uh, well, the home of football, <laughs> being Victoria, but yeah, over quarantining in Perth at the moment. So, yeah, huge week, but we are obviously tonight luckily enough to have a very special guest to help us look at the game ahead in very talented football presenter podcaster performer and regular panelist on the front bar and titus o'reilly so we're going to go ahead and uh, have a chat to him now and then we'll uh, we'll catch us after so enjoy the chat All right, Simo. Well, we are extremely fortunate to have our next guest on with us tonight. He is an extremely talented writer, presenter, podcaster, performer, and most importantly, a passionate Demon supporter. And how Demons is he? Well, allegedly, all the artwork in his house is of Stephen Tingay, Titus O'Reilly. <laughs> Welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm good, and thank you for saying I'm talented. No <laughs> one's ever used that phrase of my name in the same sentence before, so I appreciate it. How's everything been going during, I mean, it's hard to avoid the topic, but obviously lockdown has affected us all far and wide and, and obviously with the football as well too, but how's it affected with you and, and work and how are you traveling at the moment? Uh, I, I think I'm just like, I'm lucky in some ways in that I've got a few things I can keep doing, but like all people in the, you know, arts, I can't do any live shows or anything like that. And then this time of year, I mean, I'm like, you know, like everyone, especially if you're Melbourne, 
springtime is just the best. You know, winter starts to go, the footy finals arrive, and then you're into the spring carnival. And just not being able to be out and about with people is, you know, the worst. And, you know, one of the nightmares is you can, you can, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, so I'm not jinxing us. It's regardless of who you barrack for. If you win a premiership, yet, you know, most people can't go to the game, but you'd at least like to win it with people there. And the idea of winning a premiership, you just, it finishes and it's 10 o'clock at night and you're just sitting in your house by yourself. It's just the worst thought ever. Oh, so, you know, that's, that's the one bit that hangs over my head, you know, but, you know, it's a bit far away for us yet. But look, I'll take a premiership anyway. We can. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think, yeah, the entire, you know, atmosphere and, and everything that finals footy brings around Melbourne is, is so special. And uh, it is one of those things that as as supporters that haven't seen that success yet, it's something that you sort of dream to be a part of. And unfortunately, yeah, we're, we're amongst this situation now where it's unique and we haven't, no one's experienced it before, but we're most likely, depending on what, what the results happen in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, unfortunately, we might be doing it on our own, which is going to be a little bit different. But as you mentioned, you still definitely take it, that's for sure. But have you, you haven't, you haven't sussed out any ways to try and to burrow your way into Perth, have you? Either way. Well, I could have probably gone. That's, that's the worst thing. I, I could have actually probably gone with a, some, of my media commitments, but one just, it was a bit hard to organize. I had this problem in one and you know, we're all, we're idiots as footy fans, you know, we're all, I got superstitious that if I went and did the quarantining, it would be the reason we didn't win. <laughs> and I'd end up like, this was at the start of the finals. I thought, oh, I, bet, I bet I go quarantine for three weeks and end up watching GWS play, you know, Brisbane or something in the grand final. <laughs> Don't even get to see it. So I didn't I didn't go and then I also thought, oh I would feel a bit bad, you know, you saw me over there and then all these people would be going, Oh, I can't go visit my dying grandfather in WA and this comedians <laughs> managed to get across the border. Yeah. And I and I was saying that to people like uh, and then within like a day of me saying that, Eddie Maguire got caught trying to smuggle his sons in as producers. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, I'm probably, you know, trying to get your whole family and I'm like, you know, this is my entourage. So, <laughs> no, so I'd love to have gone. But I, I the, the thing is I've, I've played that game before where, you know, we talk about experiencing it, that anyone that was at those games at the G for 2018, oh, you yeah. know, that yeah. the feeling in the ground was just the best feeling I've had in my life, I reckon. Yeah, and wasn't it? I did go over for the prelim for that year. And so... That hurt, you know, that that sort of, and I, the worst bit is I'd done a gig. So, you know, I'm all an, annoyingly visible over there as a Melbourne supporter. <laughs> and so we had to, you can't get out of the ground that easily. So me and a, like, I think it was Clint Stanaway is a big Demon supporter and a few other people. We all end up at the bar across the road from the stadium, you know, about 20 of us Melbourne supporters surrounded by literally thousands because it was the huge, it's this huge pub, thousands of Eagles supporters. <laughs> and annoyingly, because we'd been beaten, you know, like by so much, 
the Eagles supporters were being nice to us because it was like, <laughs> which was worse. And they all kept coming up and saying, oh, bad luck, Titus. Do you mind if I catch us, get a selfie with you? <laughs> and so there's like a hundred selfies out there with Eagles supporters of me in the most miserable moment of my life captured for eternity. So I don't know. I was nervous about going over anyway. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a, yeah, a bit of deja vu in that sense. But I, th- I think hopefully not having the home crowd is is a is a huge thing for us. And it's been, it's been nice to see on a lot of the demons pages that a, a lot of people over in Perth or a lot of members over at Optus Stadium are willing to sort of help out D supporters about you know giving up barcodes and and allowing access for tickets at least for this weekend and anyway, which I think's you know really really nice of them in what's a pretty shitty situation that not many people can get over and see them, but. Uh, yeah, I know it's 2018, that final series. I think me and Sim, I've talked about it regularly this year. It's certainly up there with, with some of the best, well, probably the best football um, performances we've seen live. And uh, as you mentioned, just the feeling and, and just being around the streets with red and blue. Um, whereas now, I think we're still feeling the love, but the red and blue is, you know, you see it at the supermarket and that's about the only place you can go to. So you, you take it for what you can at the moment. But yeah, well, I think we'll get good support in Perth because everyone hates Geelong. So, you know, it's, <laughs> hopefully we get the – it feels like a home game. Well, fingers crossed. I suppose with, you know, how good this season's been, like it would be interesting to hear how you've handled the success. Um, being a long-term Melbourne supporter for longer than us, um, so it would be really interesting to hear how you've handled that. Well, the, the, the thing that happened for me and it started – about halfway through the year, I sort of, and I'd said this on a few media things I did, I sort of felt like, one, for the first time in my life, this team just felt different. You know, it felt like it's, I'm not saying we can go all the, we're going to go all the way because I think winning a premiership is much so hard and requires so much to go the right way, you know, from injuries to umpire calls to just whether you show up on the day, all those things, um, bounce of the ball. Like, you know, there's lots of supporters that can tell you about, I mean, even you look back at Hawthorne and you sort of, I was talking to a Hawthorne fan the other day and people look back at that and go, like it was inevitable they were going to win three in a row. And when they talk about it, they go, well, actually, if you go back and watch their prelims, they just squeaked in, you know, like if it had gone slight, like the very smallest of margins, they could have ended up losing or not making the grand final in all three of those premierships. But having said that, and that's not that's not just me trying to avoid jinxing us, I've said from the very earliest thing, this is like the, the first club I've, first team I've felt for Melbourne that's going to just write its own history that's not part of the past. Like it, it, all the demons of the past, pardon the pun, of to me gone with this team. And whether they make it or not, it's not going to be all there. Melbourne goes again or whatever. This is actually, it's just, it's just going to be what happens. And I started to have that feeling. And then I, I said to a few people, you know, I've got quite a few, you know, some Melbourne mates and you're always talking to them. And I, I was like, I'm just going to enjoy this. Like if I'm not going to worry about if it's, this has been, I been stressed out of my mind in a few games, but I was like, if you're not going to enjoy this after all the negative stuff we've had, yeah. Then when when are you ever going to enjoy football? Like if you're a Melbourne 
one supporter. This is the one chance to just, you know, everyone. And I, I, I kind of phrase desplaining, which is when it's a bit like mansplaining, where non Melbourne supporters would say to me, hey, you know, you know, you could all stuff this up. And I'd be, oh, you know, really? You're telling a Melbourne supporter <laughs> that football cannot work out well? Like, this is your insight into uh-huh. the game? Like, we kind of know this. And so I just decided I was going to enjoy it, basically. You know, like, it, it's it's been a lot of fun and we might go the old way or we might not. But either way, I mean, you know, God, you'd take this season every time, wouldn't you? I mean, this is just, it's it, this team is just fantastic. Usually, usually it's the the supporters that teams are nowhere near it that you hear that from too. Like my partner's a Carlton supporter, and she's always just been a bit cheeky with that. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and you hear it from from other from other mates. There, you know, their teams have been good in the past, and then they say all this stuff. I'm like, oh god, here we go. And yeah, then, in, yeah, I don't know. I was talking to Tim before about you know what this weekend's going to bring and uh i'll tell you what I'm, I'm just i'm just like this all week it's just a long long way but you know i like what you say i like what you're saying just just enjoying the ride especially what we used to be like as a club to now like it's you know it's outstanding what these boys are doing and all the coaches well it's it's really interesting to me as a you know a fairly long-term melbourne supporter in that you know, there's so many things that are just completely different, even at 2018. We're just, you know, it's so different to anything that Melbourne's ever had before. Like, in my entire lifetime, we've never had major, major stars. Now, people would say, well, there's Robbie Flower, David Schwartz and Tafori's Knees, Jim Steins, Gary Lyon. You know, they're sort of been our st- stars. And then some short-term ones like Djakovic, Alan Djakovic when he was really on. And I mean, he was just amazing for about a season. So when you look at all of these, you go, these are all great players, but they're not the best player in the league when they played. They're not the two, you know, you did, we, we didn't run that deep and we didn't have the true stars of the game. Like, you know, if we had, when Mike Sheen used to do his top 50, if we had one in the top 20, it was great. You know, that was a... And so you suddenly look at this and you go, well, Clayton Oliver's arguably the best player in the league. And I've argued he's our best player I've ever seen play for Melbourne um, in my lifetime. I, I think Petrarca gets a lot of the focus, but Oliver's by far the best. I think then you've got Petrarca, who's an absolute superstar. You've got Max Gorn. You know, you've got May. You've got Lever. You know, you're suddenly going through these players and they're, they're, and it was reflected in our All-Australian team. These are like, suddenly we've got like five of the biggest stars in the game or the best players in the game, which that's, uh, that has never happened in my lifetime. You know, like, we, and even when we've been in the finals and got to grand finals, there's been an element of this is a solid team, not, and we, that we were kind of, not necessarily lucky, but things went our way and all this. And this team, you just get the sense that, you know, if, if they show up on the day and play their best, I don't think there's anyone that can beat them. I think this game against Geelong is going to come down to do we show up for the whole four quarters? You know, like I, I think Geelong is slow and a bit old, but they, they're you don't write them off because they're incredibly clever and they've been an experience at all. But if we're at our best, there's no doubt we're fitter than them. There's no doubt our top players are in their prime more than theirs are. 
And it's just never been in the I've never been in this situation before in my lifetime. So that's what's kind of exciting. Of course, being a Melbourne supporter, all we do is focus on what could go wrong. But I mean, even <laughs> Hawthorne supporters did that when they were at their best. So, so it's just a, it's just a really exciting time to be around the club and you know to think where it could be. And then also, I've just even got a sense of a bit of calmness in if it doesn't happen this year, it's not like well, we sort of peaked and really did well to get this chance and it's not going to come again. Like, these guys are young and so in the next two, three years, I reckon they're going to be thereabouts. So it's just a really, it's just a good time to be a Demon supporter. It's so <laughs> rare you can say that. It, it certainly is and I think you're right. It's uh, We sort of talked, it really has been a building over a period of time now and, and 2018 has been a lot of reference to that especially this week I suppose just with everything kind of the way everything's panned out but it is a completely different side and, and it's great to see that they've put their past behind them but you just know that regardless of the result this season that we're, we're poised to have a serious dip at premiership success over the next few years and you're talking about all the building blocks that we've got there and and the stars that we have you're right we've never been used to having you know top tier talent um well, homegrown talent in terms of draftees, but then having Stephen May and Jake Lever come to the club and sort of now being a bit of a destination, it's it's something that will hopefully give us a great reputation over the next few years and, and allow our success to run for hopefully, you know, longer than longer than this season, which I'm I'm sure it is. But I think I don't know, like I've been like my wife who can't stand football and probably hates how much I love Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> um, as much as, you know, like I'm, I got pushed into supporting Melbourne when I, like I didn't have a choice and we've just had a, well, I wouldn't say just eight months of flying very quickly, but our daughter who I've already donned and signed up as a baby member and, and all that sort of stuff got in that there. But um, I've been relatively calm this year and I think it's just being able to enjoy it. I think the most excited we got was the Geelong round 23, which I'm sure I think about you, but that's one of the best, I think, games just to be watching. I know we weren't there in person, but far out, that was just exciting just to even win the, the minor premiership. And um, But it's just, I don't know, I've sort of been able to be relatively reserved. I think this weekend could be the undoing of that, but it's been nice just to kind of, as you said, enjoy it and yeah, watch us watch our success without having too much negativity. There was a little little patch in the middle of the season where had a few losses, but after nine in a row, I mean that was going to happen, wasn't it? And how how did you almost ten in a row merchandise go? Did you did you sell much of it? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we do that for fun because they're all saying on the front bar because they're all saying you know demon supporters are getting ahead of themselves. <laughs> so I just thought oh, I'll, I'll make fun of that, but yeah, no, it's. I mean, one, like, we, we did have some losses and they were against the lower teams. They tended to be. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's so hard to get through the season and not have a few mental breaks. You talk to any player and they say, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the positives for us that just are there and give you some hope is watching the games on the weekend. We're the best organised of every t- any team, I think. Now, that's not to say we can't lose at all. You know, it's the other teams are, are very good. But I think we're the, you know, the, 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 this demon side is, if you look at it from a team sense, uh, uh, one of my most, one of the moments that sticks with me most about being a Melbourne supporter was, so that famous game where we went down to Cardinia Park and got belted by Geelong 
and there's you know that famous picture of the scoreboard yeah. and it was like <laughs> people forget that the week before we played Hawthorne at the G and we almost got belted the same amount except it, about halfway through the last half like in the third quarter at some point Hawthorne just totally took the foot off the pedal so you know the signs were there before Geelong just didn't take their foot off the pedal but Hawthorne were beating us just we were just as bad uh in that game before that Geelong one so the Geelong one's become famous but the Hawthorne one was so bad and a mate of mine that I go and watch these he said to me it was it was such a bad performance that he said, let's see how long it takes for us to see a Melbourne supporter sprint. And we went a full 10 minutes, I kid you not, not, not one sprinting. And then finally he said, there's one of our players sprinting. And they were sprinting to the bench to interchange. And we were that bad, you know, that it's just, you know, people listening to this podcast know this, but others don't. And when I'm watching us play this year, even in the games we haven't won, the way every single player on the field sprints back to defend from the Petrarchas to the Olivers to the Pickets to the... This is something Melbourne seems to just never, ever done. Like, it hasn't been part of our culture. Just the absolute, like, we don't have the ball. We're going to all sprint back. It's the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter. We're all getting back to defend to shut down space is just you know it's, that's what i take when i'm panicking about against geelong which i re- regularly do this week is that's the thing i just try and calm myself by remembering that we are just so good at playing that team game and that they've all bought into that and it's just it's just the biggest turnaround that you know. And when you think about it, that's taken since you know when did Ruse first season? Twenty fourteen. Twenty. You know, I was sort of yeah, explaining this. Well, yeah. Twenty end twenty thirteen. He signed. And yeah, then and then twenty fourteen first season. So yeah. I was, you know, first season. So it's taken that long to change the culture, and so it's been such a massive thing. And I. I I laugh at watching Carlton, who are very much where we were, and play that old style we did, where they just don't run back, they don't play as a team. And the difference is Carlton are kind of looking for a silver bullet, like if we get Clarks and that will all get me fixed overnight. And I think we've shown that it, it takes a it takes a long, long time to change the complete mindset of a club. And it's it's like this year it just all finally fallen in place but it's taken you know seven seven eight years no you're spot on and you know we've talked to a number of i suppose people from the club this season and we got to speak to kate ruffy which we were you know really grateful for but it was just interesting hearing her point of view being around the club being on the board for for quite some time including when ruse was appointed and just hearing her speak about the journey and how long it has been it's been such a big process and we were trying to figure out like you know, you think about 2018 and then the disaster that 2019 was, you probably, like 2018, we were on such a high and given that we probably overachieved that year, but then to kind of fall away that we did the following year and, and we just sort of, we were trying to get it out of, like, it was just, like, how how do things just happen so 
quickly, I suppose the, the big difference for us we were looking at was like our skill errors that we'd sort of seen between 2020 or 2019 and 2020 and 2020 to 2021. And we were like, is it is it just Mark Williams coming across? Is it just Adam Uze? And she was just like, the things have been there, but everything just seems to have clicked. And you mentioned that before, but it's just, it's bizarre as supporters to see, you know, when we're absolutely butchering the ball, whereas now we barely miss a kick, like at a skill level. We're certainly up there with in terms of fundamentals, and you know that's been something that Goody has praised and gone back to. I mean, he's, he's very, very, uh, I suppose, repetitive, but I suppose he, he sticks to his guns at his press conferences. It's back to basics, you know, fundamentals, all this sort of stuff. But it's amazing to see how much just in a short time from 2018 to 2021, the difference that it makes even with, I mean, we had nine players in the first final, but the list, a lot of the list is still there from 2018. Yeah, but the, the, the biggest change, though, that's changed this year before or every other year is they're now players a full team. Yeah. And the thing I always drives me mad about AFL coverage is, and I truly believe this, AFL is the most team sport in the world. Like, it is, you, you cannot win a game unless everyone plays as a team. You can... In basketball, you can drop, you know, Tom James or, you know, the, any of the, like Michael Jordan used to be or whatever. You can drop them in and they're one of five players on, on the um, court at any time. And it will single-handedly almost turn around a footy club, you know, a, a basketball club. But with footy, you can, you can take the, you can take, you know, as Carlton did with Judd, or you can do, you can take the best player in the league and drop them in the worst one. They're not going to suddenly be, you know, the pre, the grand finalist. Like they're going to maybe go make finals or something. You know, you, you need everyone playing it and you need, because it's such a space and structure game, you know, like the main thing we're doing differently is, like I said, we're running back. We're knowing where to go. We're knowing how to set up behind the ball. You met like when Geelong and we were playing Gold Coast and smash Gold Coast, but then also against Brisbane, you regularly saw their players get the ball in the back pocket and look up and have no idea yeah. where to kick it. There was just nowhere to kick it. They just stood there with the ball. I barely seen it in football. Going, what do I do with this ball? Like I got not. I don't have one good option ahead of me. And that's where I think the pennies dropped, that they now play this just whole team defence, whole team structure. Everyone knows what to do. No one's trying to win it off their own boot or do anything crazy. And it's 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 the whole difference that just changes it. And it's why we got back against Geelong, because they mm-hmm. just went back to that system and kept doing it. And, and so that's where I think the difference has been, is it's like they've all suddenly realised... Right, I've, and people say this all the time, but people doing it, they've gone, we actually have to do this. We actually have to just <laughs> play our bit and do our bit. Like, you know, you look at Angus, he's more a defender than... He's no longer an hacking player almost at all. Like, yeah. And sometimes that's good with his kicking. Um, but, <laughs> you know, he's there to defend. He's there to shut down and turn over the ball. like, And he just does that. He doesn't go, well, I need to get 30 possessions, which mm. if you threw him on the ball the whole time, he could possibly do. But they've gone, no, but you, you just get out on that wing and you just defend and don't let the tra- don't let teams transition against us. And, you know, it's, for him to buy into that and do that, that's just one example. 
is this a mate? Like, you know, that's just something they wouldn't have done in 2019 or in, you know, I think that that's the, been the change to me is it's all mentality. It, it's all mentality. And then when everyone does that, I mean, people used to bag, I was talking to Daisy Pierce about this, like people used to bag Clayton Oliver and goes, kicking's terrible. And, you know, mm-hmm. they forget that like in 2019 and all that, he didn't have the support he has now. So when he got the ball half the time, he had someone hanging off him almost every time. Like, yeah. it just, you know, so people go, oh, his kicking's improved. And I, I think his skills have improved, but I, I think a lot of it is he just suddenly actually has all that more support and can actually get a lot more, you know, space around him that he didn't used to be able to have. Because I spoke to some opposition teams and they used to say all he needed to do to beat the Demons was tag Oliver or just make sure he never got a clean possession and put someone on on Christian Salem because he was the only player coming out of their half that could actually use a ball. So they would just tag him out of the game. So I've had several coaches from other teams tell me that. Yeah. And pre-May and all. Suddenly now, you, you can't do that. You know, if, if Salem's, Salem's a huge player, but if he's tagged, they get it out to Langdon and Langdon connects us from the back to the front or Trent Rivers does or, you know, so it's just, it's a combination of mentality and just slightly better players. But, you know, if, if a team plays well, everyone looks great. If they look play badly, everyone looks bad. And, and that's been the big difference, I reckon. Love that, mate. And look, to be honest, but just it's just been great listening to you. I think you've hit the nail on the head of what we're doing as a football club and, yeah, you know, it shows me your level of experience and knowledge around what we're doing is pretty top notch. Actually, it's really, really good to listen to. Um, can you tell us something or more your first memory as a D supporter, or more so when you were growing up? What's your fondest memory? Well, I had a funny upbringing because I used to. My dad was heavily involved in the VFA, so I used to go to the VFA back in the like eighties and stuff to watch. Williamstown play a lot and I wasn't as into like AFL or VFL as it was then as much because we used to be going to that all the time for his work and then I when I was pretty young you know someone um we we ended up going to a Melbourne game and I was like so I decided to go for them and there was a guy that lived behind me he had a son my age and he was a member of a coterie for Melbourne Hmm. and and so he said, if you ever want to go, you can come with us. We go every week. And they literally went every week. Like, it was the Waverley Park, it was the Cardinia. Didn't matter, they went. Um, and so I started just going absolutely religiously all the time. And I can sort of remember bits like, you know, it's funny what sticks in your head, but you remember like, I mean, I remember losing grand finals. I remember all that. I remember my fondest and earliest memory when I was, memory when I was really going full, like started to be, obsessive is when Djakovic and all that came along and it was suddenly like there was this brief period where we you know he's picking bags of 10 plus on Collingwood and stuff like that at the G Mm. and it's just impossible to describe how exciting he was for a very brief but amazing he's the fastest ever player I think of 100 goals like not in one season but in his first you know so so, and and I remember commentators talking about did this guy be the next like Tony Lockett and I think he'd gone on I mean it's one of the great what ifs with yeah. um, but I remember just getting into all of that and then you know then 
Neil Baum era, you know, where, you know, and, and all that. And then, it, you know, we had the Danaher era where it was up and down. Um, so, yeah, it just all blends into all these things. But just, I mean, I remember going to that, like going to the old Southern Stand and watching all of there before it got rebuilt and all that sort of stuff and seeing all of that. And, you know, come, you come to that age where you go from being a, a kid watching it and you have vague, like, oh, that's Robbie F Flower and you can name who he is. To suddenly, you know, you actually start to go all the time and actually have your own views. But yeah, just we would just go every single week. It was just fantastic. You know, I just loved it. And then, you know, then it turned nasty on me. <laughs> <laughs> it suddenly became, you know, like all these supporters listening know it. It became, I mean, the thing, can I tell you the thing I hate most about this stereotype? Of be supported is yeah. you cheese. know there's the stereotype that we're skiers and cheese eaters and rich which is actually a good stereotype like if you don't have a stereotype that's that's not the worst bit but the bit i always hated is people would say sort of act like you know that we leave at three quarter time and go out to the snow all the time <laughs> and i'd be like if you consider how bad we've been the fact any of us kept going is amazing yeah when you think about it. I mean, no other club has been really through what we've been. And, and the fact that there's this quite large hardcore group of us that watched every week that went, we, we, we'd go, every day found this most. How often did we go knowing we were going to not just lose, yeah. but get absolutely destroyed? I mean, you know, so to say that we're not committed is just one of the great fallacies of all time because you know it was uh, you know i used to look around the members would be full and we'd be playing freo and freo would belt us yeah <laughs> and you go this is, a, this, is a, this is a committed bunch of people like yeah they, they do have other options except for when austin wanamira came back and what, what what how i can't remember how many we were down yeah, that few... game there's i was just thinking it's about that era and remember when yeah it's about what 40 odd points down wasn't it i'm 50. pretty sure well, down by 50. 50. Yeah, yeah, it would have been <laughs> against Frio and amongst that times. But no, you're right. It's Yeah, the stereotypes have, have certainly stuck um, thick and fast as well too with that. But then, well, obviously, it's it's become a, a big part of your uh, your career and, and yourself along as a, as a writer and a presenter. But what was, your, what was your first foray into sort of media and comedy? How did you, how did you sort of find yourself into that? And, and then now... You know, you've got lots of things going on for you in terms of the media, but where did it all start with that? Well, I mean, it it started like it was a complete accident. I, I was working another job, day job and I started a Twitter account and a um, blog and I thought, no one, I thought no one will be interested in this and I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. Like it wasn't like an idea of I'll do comedy either. It's just, oh, you know, I'll just tweet about footy occasionally and, <laughs> you know. And I wrote a couple of my first two pieces I wrote were like serious footy pieces, like analysis, not jokes. And no one read them. Like literally, <laughs> I had like four Twitter followers and I had like, and, and then I, and, and I thought it would be like, like me in the gym, get all fired up for a week about doing it. 
and then a month later I wouldn't have touched it, you know, like, and, but then I started to just, one time I wrote a thing about the, a joke piece because I've been talking to someone at work about how they were genuinely worried the kid was going to barrack for Carlton. So I wrote this piece about the, you know, the constant fear of raising a Carlton supporter and how you've <laughs> got to indoctrinate your kids from day one or it's, you know, and I wrote that and it got shared a bit, like not like, you know, it didn't go massively viral or anything, but it just sort of got a few people actually read it. So I started like doing more of those things. And then I just found that for the first year, it was just a nice little fun thing to do. It was like a hobby, like, you know, maybe 20 people would read a column each, like the column each week or something, but I was just doing it as an outlet because not work. And then it just suddenly started to just escalate. Like it just kept growing. And it did coincide with Melbourne being bad, and I just bent as a Melbourne supporter too, which attracted a lot of Melbourne supporters because we were all like, you know, you know, knew what it was like. But then, yeah, it just started to work. I started to enjoy it, and then it started to grow, and then it got to the point where suddenly opportunities came along. People suddenly said, "Do you want to come and do this, or would you come and talk to us, or would you come and on this radio program or whatever?" So it was a gradual sort of thing. But then suddenly it got to a point where I was like. Like I literally could do it as my, I could quit my, I could literally quit my day job, which some people would say I shouldn't have, but you know, that was sort of <laughs> the thing that, and, and so it's been the most bizarre, weirdest experience of my life. Um, and it keeps getting, it, it's always weird. Like, you know, I went and did a thing for the Demon Army, the cheer squad, you know, I've done a few events for them and I, you know, I never charge them or anything because you know, I do anything for the club and for them. And uh, I find myself sitting next to Rodney Grinter. <laughs> and, you know, if you'd told the boyhood me who used to go and watch balls play that, you know, I'd be, I'd get to meet Rodney Grinter. <laughs> you know, here I am a fully grown adult. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Rodney <laughs> Grinter. You know, so, so it's been a, it's just been such a fun thing to do to be able to, like, meet all these people and do all these things and, you know, and just... It's it's just fun because you know we we footy fans. I, I I guess looking back, what sort of happened is I just sort of tried to present what we as footy fans all talk about. You know, like we get presented by the media that everyone's a good bloke, everyone's great, we care about this or that. It's it's just not what footy fans talk about. You know, like footy fans have a completely different view to one presented by AFL media. Yeah, and so it was sort of just a bit of fun of pointing that out you know like it, it, you know afl it's all like every guy's a great bloke and it's like footy fans don't sit around going everyone's a great bloke they go god i hate that guy <laughs> uh, from all what we've spoken so to oh, about so far but i think the biggest thing on our minds at the moment is you know how do we beat the cats so it'd be interesting to hear your highly unhelpful guide to beating geelong this week <laughs> well i i've talked to a lot of demon supporters since we found out who we'd be playing. And I'm really worried about providing my view because if it's positive and then we lose, it's like I've jinxed us, you know? <laughs> so there's sort of this safety in going, oh, it's going to be really tough. And, and I, I think it can be. I think if Geelong show up at their best and we let them play their chipping it around and going slow kind of game, mm. I think... It, you know, we could be in a lot of trouble if we don't take the game on and take it to them. 
But the one that gives me some comfort, and, and look, footy's a mystery, so we all know anyone can lose on any day and you have a bad day, and you know, especially under finals. But when I look at it, I think, I don't think DeLong have a tank. I don't think if we're within a few goals of, at three-quarter time, we showed that when we came back against them. But even against Brisbane, they, they were out on their feet in that last quarter. They did not look great. And so I, I do think – I think we're better organised than Geelong. I think our bottom six is better than Geelong six. I think the biggest – if we do all that right – from the start, don't let them get one of those, you know, cheeky three or four goal leads that we occasionally do in the first quarter. <laughs> I, I, I I look at it and think that the number one thing that you'll know whether we're going to, you know, in the first quarter or so, if you know we're on, is when our midfield wins clearances and gets running forward, our forward line works really well. Like, it's like our forward line needs some of that midfielders streaming in drawing defenders to them and things like that to then chip it over to, to various players. So for our forward line to work, our midfield has to work. And with the games we've lost or struggled in is when we've not at least broken even with contested ball and things like that. So I think that's going to be the thing. I think if we do that well, mm. I mean, I, I it's going to come down to the middle side because to me, we are a better side. And I know that's a bold thing to say, but we are better organised. Our players are more in their prime. Um, you know, Selwood and Selwood and Cameron, of course, worry me, but not if our midfield's on top because then they just might be getting the delivery. Like Geelong, like that real, you know, set it up and then chip it to Hawkins on a lead or something. So, you know, and we've beaten them twice this year. I know the first time they had a few, I don't think Cameron played that first time. Um, and then well. coming back, yeah. So, but I mean, Dangerfield's not Dangerfield's not playing well. He's he's obviously carrying some injury, and in the fact they had to play that extra week. And then Selwood has, I mean, he, you know, he's still a, but he's all. But you know, so I, I'm not like when I say I'm not, I'm not. I'm trying to not be my normal Melbourne self and talk myself into we're going to lose to try and unjinx us. You know, I can see I can see a thing where we'll lose, we could lose, but I think it's in our players' hands. I think if they show up and do everything they've been doing, I, I don't see why we can't beat Geelong. Like I think we've done it before, and yeah, you know, we just can't do. Which was strange. The one difference between this D side this year is we rarely remember we used to give up runs of six or seven goals yeah. regularly. The only time we've done that this year is against Geelong. That's the one thing that scares me. If we let them do that again, you know, you're not you're not always going to pull back a you know forty odd point deficit. Um, no. So, you know, usually if we can limit them that they sort of never kick more than three in a row, I think it's going to be really tight, and so. I'm quietly confident that you know we can we can do it. It's it's all going to come down to the mental side to me. Where when other times we've played finals, I've gone. I don't. I think we can only win it if the other side bottles it mentally. I'm relying on them to stuff up. Where in this case, I I don't think. I think even if Geelong play their best, if we play their best, our best too. I think we would 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 win. Where other times I've gone. Even at our best, if they're any, if they're on, we're going to lose or struggle. Where yeah, so it's the first time I've felt that. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I suppose the advantage and disadvantage of playing them, you know, only a handful of weeks ago, what two, three weeks ago, is that, I mean, for them, I think I know Chris Scott's come out and said, want to focus on that seven, eight minute period in the second quarter where they did blow us out and open. But then as you look at it for the rest of the game, I think we ended up winning three out of the four quarters. And even we sort of talked about, you know, if you weren't following the game and you flicked and you checked your scores at three minutes ago in the second quarter and thought, shit, you know, Geelong's up by 44 points, you could, you might immediately assume the state of the game, but it, it certainly wasn't that. And I don't think, I think Goody would have been probably thinking about not pulling out all his cards just yet knowing that we'd be coming up against them in the finals. You know that Scott's going to adjust his game style and not not let probably Lever and May have the impact that they might have had then. They might try and adjust some things there. But I think you're right, just the maturity of our group and just being able to be organized and, and really prove now that we can come back from almost any game situation, regardless of what it is. They're such a resilient group. And with everything hanging on the line, I think that they were going to go in there with the, with the right mentality. We've, we know that in the past, we've been a team that potentially have gotten ahead of ourselves. And you can just sense, as you've mentioned you know, earlier tonight, that this team's different and you think that they're just doing all the right things and going about it the right way. And I love what's hearing the consistent message that's coming from not only the coaching staff, but all the players that you hear from as well too. Yeah, I mean, and you're looking at Clayton Oliver, you know, and a Gorn. Every club needs this. I mean, Geelong started to turn around when they had Tom Harley, and I've spoken to players who played in that era, and they say more than even the coaching and everything. They say Tom Harley was the guy that just drove this standard amongst the players. And you look at, like, Gordon and Oliver, they just, they never give up. They just never stop. Like, it, it just, you know, and that just sets this tone. And now that we know with Geelong, I mean, that's the thing. We know if we know if we keep trying against Geelong and keep playing our way, we're a chance. We don't, you know, you don't want to be down by like forty-four points or whatever. But if we're within ten points and it's there's ten minutes left, we're not going to be going. We can't do this. So they've got to play a four-quarter game. They know they have to because we're not going away because they've learnt that, you know, they're not, they're not we, we, we're not going to be looking around at each other going, oh, no, this this is not looking good and just give up. And if you look at Geelong, if you, you know, if I was a Geelong supporter, you'd be looking at it going, well, we've been on the road. Gary Rowan can go missing. Tom Hawkins can occasionally go missing. Selwood's not at his best. Dangerfield's obviously injured. Um, our ruck stocks are, uh, you know, not, so, uh, you know, and they lost, uh, what's his name, uh, Parfit from Hammy, who was probably their speediest guy and someone who could have gone on a Langdon or something, you know, and actually stuck with him for pay. So, you know, where you get very focused on what Melbourne can do wrong, but kind of look at it and go, would you prefer to be Melbourne or Geelong going into this? And as a neutral supporter, and I think you'd prefer to be Melbourne, but that doesn't mean we're not going to be, you know, I'm sounding more confident than I am. This <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not going to panic all week. But well, I try and calm myself by being a bit more even-headed about it all the yeah. time. There's, there's some good signs here. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, we'll 
we might wrap it. We've got a couple of uh, questions from fans before we give you our quick five and a flash, and then we'll let you go because obviously that twenty minutes that I thought it might take would balloon out. But it's been it's been awesome having a chat with you. I'd, I'd hate to keep you too long. But uh, the first question from Dane Helmers off Facebook said, "What will happen to his material, your material, if we happen to continue being a good, dependable team?" <laughs> well, you know what, everyone always said to me, you know, oh. What are you going to do if Melbourne become good? Are you worried about them becoming good and not having an act? And I'm like, I used to be able to say, it's it's not something I've ever worried about because it seems so unlikely. Um, I would happily be put out of a, a job if, uh, if 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 it meant we won a premiership. That, you know, there's nothing I'd like more. The good news is in footy comedy is as Melbourne become good. There's a, there's always Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's always another team. That's not, you know, so it, it's it it's not the end of the world for me. And you know what? I'm I'm ready to be unemployed if it means we've won a premiership because I probably won't show up to work for a year. Anyway, if we win a premiership, I'll be seller. I'll be breaking turkeys left in probably every state if uh, <laughs> if we win. Oh, won't we all? Uh, the next one comes in from former Explective. Um, a highly helpful guide as to why this is not the D's year would be good. <laughs> not the D's year. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you you kind of look at it and go, in the past we were always, our job was building up hope to then crush it. Uh, <laughs> so you could argue that, but. I don't know. I just, I just feel like I, I've, I feel the team's different. I feel different. I don't feel that kind of. I think anything could happen. It's footy, but I, I actually feel for the first time that if we do the right thing, we, we can go the whole way. Um, it's a, it's always a big if. Can you do it under the pressure? But you know, I actually, I actually think you know that that's where we're at. You know, it's, it's and that's scarier to me. <laughs> For me than ever before because in the in before it's it's like if suddenly you find out a girl actually likes you it becomes more nerve wracking <laughs> you know because you know you can stuff it up where normally that you know you know just not interested so it doesn't really matter you know so you're saying there's a chance yeah I'm saying there is a I'm saying there is a chance yeah oh that's one oh very good. All right, well, just to finish it up, we do have our quick quiz, our five in the flash. So, Titus, it's got to be the first thing that comes to your head uh, from these five quick questions. All right. right. So, Simo, I'll get you to start it off. All right, no worries. All right, bring back a former demon for Friday night. Who would it be? Paul Pripke. Do you remember Paul oh. Pripke? He was a defender for us in the bar mirror. I don't know. If, if I could bring back anyone, I'd, I'd probably bring back... Jakovic at his peak but actually I'd love to bring back Nathan Jones who's a current player because there would be I, I know you can't be sentimental in football but would there be anything better than seeing Nathan Jones win a premiership no. I mean it, that would just be that, that oh, I, I will cry anyway if we win but if he was there it would, it would just be the greatest moment you, ever uh, most Melbourne supporter thing you've ever done Oh, the most Melbourne. I I always went even in the Mark Neal era. 
I used to spend a hundred dollars every year on extra on my membership to guarantee a grand final ticket <laughs> if we made it. Nice one, nice one. All right, next one's favorite demon of all time. Uh, I, I, I must say it's Alan Jakovic, a flawed genius. You know, not not the best demon ever, not the but I just absolutely loved him. What's the worst heckle you received at a show? So it might not be the worst thing that someone said to you but it's something that's backfired or the funniest tackle that you've had at a show before I, I don't get a lot of heckling because people tend to come and then they're more likely to just say funny things about football and so the one audience interaction that I've ever had that still to this day makes me laugh is I was doing a gig in Adelaide and I made a I, I said you know are there any GWS fans here? Which you just always get no one, <laughs> even if you, you know, and everyone laughs because it's no one. And anyway, so any GWS fans thinking, I'm in Adelaide. Like, and there's one guy up the very front row says, I'm a GWS fan. And I said, are you really? And he said, yeah. And I said, you're in Adelaide. How did that happen? And, he, and the, I swear to God, this is true. He said, oh, I'm a, I was a massive Israel Palau fan. And huh. I'm like, you became a Giants fan because of Israel Palau. And he said, yeah. And I'm like, so the Giants, so that millions of dollars the AFL spent to get recruit Israel Palau as a marketing thing, it worked on this one guy in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, wow. Fantastic. Um, yeah, geez, that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, between him and... Carmichael Hunt. Carmichael Jeez. Hunt. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Last one. All right. First thing you'll do if the Deeds win the flag? Cry. I'll, I'll absolutely cry. Um, I've thought about this. I know it sounds silly, but probably like all of us, I've thought about this a lot. I really don't know. Like, I just, I think it's, I've, I've sat next to, I've been lucky enough. I went to, I was at the Bulldogs grand final. Uh, when they won yeah. and I sat next to it uh, by chance I was sitting next to a person I didn't know at the start of the game and it was this lady who got a ticket by herself and she was 68 years old Bulldog supporter and I sat next to her for the whole game and so we started chatting during it and so I watched that up close of her just like she couldn't speak and she couldn't even really cry. Her face was just sort of frozen in this, like she was just, she was in sh literally in shock, literally like unable to function as a human when they won. And in the last quarter, she was shaking. Her hands and her whole body were like uncontrollably shaking. And I said, oh, you're home now. And because I'm a neutral supporter, so I'm not actually able to, yeah. And she's like, and she could not even form a sentence for about 20 minutes after the game. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was at the Richmond one as well where they won their first one and it was very similar. So I think the most likely thing I'm going to do is if it happens is go into shock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's from, from what I've seen that actually more what happens than anything else is you just go in absolute shock. I was at the Geelong one where they beat Port, when they beat to win for the first time in ages as well. And they won by so much and from so early on, like it was over in the first quarter. That was slightly different because it was like they had the whole game to get used to it. Yeah. So, but but from what I've seen, 
for Melbourne supporters, I think we're all in for just pure shock. I think it's going to take a long... There's a lot to process. <laughs> it definitely will be. I know, I know like the thing obviously miss and I don't know about you but it's it's certainly been something that it's been all about family for me following footy and something that you're born into following the demons and and yeah going to the footy with my brother and dad sort of like that's been sort of my whole life and, and yeah I'm probably thinking about it to, to think if that's if if the results fall our way in that sense I think that's probably going to be the first thing that I'll think about and probably yeah, be a little bit sad. Well, not obviously crying with joy, but I think it'll be a little bit sad not to share that moment as well too after, you know, 32 odd years of following the Ds. I think it's going to be one of those things we're going to have to find other ways to connect and celebrate because it's such a big thing, as you mentioned. And I was at that Bulldogs grand final as well too. And I still remember like just, just the sheer, I think, emotion of, of all the supporters. Everybody there was behind the dogs. Like it was just like the feel-good story of, of the year and the, the momentum was so... You know, it was built up over that final series, and I just remember thinking, like, it was that was the best non-Melbourne game I've ever been to by an absolute mile, just in terms of feeling. And I've been to a couple of, you know, the Geelong Collingwood prelims and stuff, sort of early 2010s, and and those were some great games to watch. But far out, like, the atmosphere is certainly something I'm going to miss. But um, yeah, I think the shock of it, I've, I've sort of pre-warned my wife. I think. The the extra week in between is going to be a bit of a killer as well too. I think it's you know like this. Yeah. It's uh, I mean not to mention that it's going to be played at night time. I remember last year it was the longest day ever, grand final day. Is that waiting to? Pardon? Is that being confirmed or was it? Yeah. Yeah. Confirmed today, I think it was. Seven fifteen start for the Eastern States. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a long day. It takes. I don't like the night grand final purely partly for that reason and i think it's not great for kids as well one of the great things i remember being a kid is everyone would be watching the grand final so you, you would be awake and around and would end up remembering all these grand finals growing up which if it's on at seven thirty and not finishing till almost 11 as much as people say i'll just keep the kids up there's a lot of younger kids that just won't make it but yeah it's 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 going to be absolutely bizarre having that week off. I don't. I still really don't understand the whole. I know it's you know the COVID reasons, but surely if we make the grand final, surely if Melbourne make the grand final, the Victorian government all gives Melbourne supporters a, a an exemption from lockdown. Surely, yeah. I mean that's. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be campaigning. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> mask. Yeah, like you know, it's it's been too long. Like you know, let's just. It's all worth the risk. It's yeah. Like, we'll all we'll all promise to... They should just let us all go to the gym the day if we all promise to quarantine for the next two weeks after. Easy. <laughs> you know, it's I'm that there. easy. You know, that's right. Like, so, surely, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a column and get one of the papers to publish. It's time to turn up the pressure. <laughs> Sounds good. Just, just make sure you do it after Friday. That'd be great. Oh, dude, no, I was just thinking as I said that, I, I would not be doing that. Because, yeah, I will not be doing that in advance. So nah. Don't worry about that. But surely if we do, we've got to start the campaign to be able to watch it together because, as I said at the start, you want to be doing it with other Demon supporters, yeah. uh, you know. And, uh, you know, we've earned, we've earned this. We've earned this. <laughs> but definitely, definitely have. 
Well, Titus, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and, and having a chat with you tonight, mate. We really appreciate you coming on and giving us time out of your very busy schedule, but it's been great to hear your insight and experiences, especially about the D's, but about yourself as well. And yeah, we can't thank you enough for coming on. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. Supporters, make sure you get out and check out TitusO'Reilly.com and keep an eye out for his articles. We've got his highly unhelpful and knee-jerk reaction articles as well as the Variety Hour podcast. So make sure, I'm sure that they're all aware of that, but make sure you get to his website and check it out. But no, we really appreciate you, Titus. And hopefully, uh, we'll be seeing a fantastic knee-jerk reaction after this weekend. We're looking forward to it. (laughs) Go days. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Take care.